Welcome to the Film Look Podcast, where we break down films, learn from the pros, and try to become better filmmakers along the way. I'm Robert, the camel spin car. I'm joined by Richard, the deaf spiral Scott, and I'm also what, joined what are you by... you called the camel tour car? <laughs> camel spin a car, and, oh, and sorry, I'm... Sorry, Yeah. Can I... Shall I start that one again? I like oh. camel tour car. No, because it's it's meant to be like You're the ice skating. Car. What's the, what's no, there wasn't there wasn't any other ice skating oh, moves. Camel spin, cannot sorry. spin. It's ice skating moves. There wasn't any other ones. Begin with C. So I'm I'm camel spin car. I'm joined by Richard the Deaf Spiral Scott, which is a pretty good one. That's cool. And then I'm also also joined by Christian Twizzle Foreman. Oh, that's a good one. I couldn't. I couldn't. Twizzle. No, twizzle. Twizzle man. So they're so all ice skin moves. So what is the death spiral? Oh, do you want to actually, should we get into this, the death spiral, what these are now? Well, I do. The camel spin is a spin where the skater holds onto their leg behind them. The death spiral, which is probably the best one on here, if I can find it. Oh, Rob's gone. Yeah, we can. Did see you, you, Rob? Did you just like the zone? <laughs> you just uh, turn off there. While, while, while Rob's gone, we'll, we'll just we'll pretend we know what the death spiral is. So the de- death spiral. Why don't we like predict what it's going to be? <laughs> right, I reckon the death the death spiral has to be right. You, you it has to be some. Well, I don't I'm know. Back. Everything's I dangerous think I'm back. about ice skiing. Right, I'm back. back. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, folks. Right. Um, Ron, what's the, what's the th- death spiral? This is this has been a right show so far. Um, right. It says, "Don't worry, no deaths have been recorded whilst this skater performs this move." Um, so it involves where the male partner is pivoting around in a curve while holding onto the hand of the female horizontally. The pitcher, she's like, she's literally vertical on the floor, like an inch off the floor, while while he's spinning her around. Um, so it's oh, definitely yeah. a death spiral. Um, oh, I've seen that before. I've seen that before. Yeah, that. I used to do that with me. It's at school on the field. <laughs> yeah, we used to make uh, each other dizzy and just let go. Aye, and just let go. <laughs> <laughs> and then the 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 uh, what's kid the Christian the twizzle? twizzle the Twizzle Foreman. Um, that will be is a superhero s- name. Is that not a crisp? <laughs> this is a. Uh, it's no, called it's a twizzle. Red ice, ice lolly, isn't it? Yeah, it's the the dance twizzle, move. No, twizzle has like a. Sweet, isn't it? Like a licorice. Oh, yeah. Is it? I don't know. Um, yeah, twizzle- a red vine and a twizzler are the same thing. Yeah. Uh, similar. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Someone might be in one camp or the other. But So what's a twizzler, Rob? <laughs> yeah, we'll get into this. Um, twizzling involves travelling around uh, the ice while spinning on one foot. Um, so, I can do that. Yeah. I can do yeah. that easy. Are you any good at ice skating? Spinning round on one foot. Yeah, it's there's a few other bits to it, but essentially it's just spinning around. But it's just more than I can do. Last, last is that Chris- the one where when they get their arms out and then when they bring them in, they go quicker because of the like center of gravity. Or yeah, yeah, that's that's just it. Is that was a fun move. Last Christmas, I went yeah, um, yeah. ice skating for the first time, and um, I got on the ice, and one of the people, like no, like one of the marshals of the ice, came up to us just and he laughed was like, at you. "No, he was like." I, I don't know how to say this, but we don't allow professionals on the ice. Would you? <laughs> right. Would you mind leaving? Um, so I did. You know what I mean. I had to respect the rules. I know who you are. You are uh, Christian the Twizzler Foreman. Like, no. And I said I wasn't. I was like, I wasn't, I'm not a professional. He was like, who are you are. You're not a professional. Like with moves like that, you should be, Mr. Mm-hmm. Twizzle. I mean, I think 
you, you might be a little bit tall, I think. <laughs> yeah, my centre of gravity is all off. I wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah. I mean, um, um, are you any good at uh, ice skating? By the way, we're talking about ice skating because we're going to be talking about the I, Tonya film at some point today uh, in this podcast. No, I did actually go Surely ice skating Surely people know that because like, of the title. I went for this ice skating <laughs> actually, for the first time Actually, title this one, unknown film. <laughs> And I was, I did actually get okay at it, but it's quite scary. You like, you're on a blade on ice, and if you fall over, like, yeah. you're gonna really hurt yourself. It's pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. If you're good at like um, rollerblading or anything like that, or, or skateboarding, anything that requires like a, a good center of gravity, I think you'd be okay. Yeah, I stepped yeah. on the ice once, uh, and then literally stepped back off. What <laughs> one blade went on? And then come straight back off and I took the boots off. I was like, nah, you should use one of those little, little like, um, what? It's like a Zimmer frame. Like, yeah, it's a little Zimmer frame for the ice. <laughs> like a little trolley. It's like the ones where you use a bowling. For the kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like bowling, bowling yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm all anyway. right at ice skating. I'm not, I'm not terrible at it. I think it's just because I got chunky ankles. Could never break these ankles. I've got like hobbit feet. <laughs> you can't um, push her over. No. Well, I don't like you ice what? skating. You but... can't push her over. You just like, yeah, I'm like a weeble. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we'll do is we'll actually move on to the podcast and um, you've got facts today. So it's you, use versus each other. So Rich and Christian. Yeah. Um, what the fact? What the fact? Doing? We're going to do what the fact? Um, I'm going to let Christian go first this time. Nice. See if you um, can get a point. My fact is about Tim Burton and his film, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I have actually not seen this film. I've seen the original. Good. Um, Don't watch one. the new one. Don't watch the new one. Yeah. Apparently there's a scene involving uh, squirrels cra- cracking nuts, which is quite a famous scene. Um, and the fact is that Tim Burton had 40 squirrels actually trained to crack nuts rather than using CGI. And I like that fact because... Well, I like practical effects for one, but I like the fact that he just went to his production team and went, I need 40 squirrels who can crack nuts. You know, go go, go get it. Go, go get them. I am Tim Burton. <laughs> Have you seen Edward Scissorhands? He did do that, didn't he? Did he do Edward Scissorhands? Yeah. Um, uh, so that's my fact. Well, <clears throat> I thought because this is quite Tim a heavy... Tim also did... Oh, no, you go. I was going to say, because this is quite a heavily CGI'd film, my, my fact is CGI... Um, themed. Cool. Extra Unim- point unimpressed, on you. Unimpressed with that one. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to get extra points by giving us extra things, but yeah. Go on, Rich. See, see. Tim, Tim Burton also did the first Batman, didn't he? He did. Yeah, did the first two. He did Batman Returns as well. First two. Well, I've actually got a Batman fact. Oh, <laughs> hey. oh, points it for like segments. <laughs> see me right at me segue. Here we go. <laughs> um. You have seen the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about Tim Burton's <laughs> Batman here. Yeah, I'm talking about Chris Nolan's. Um, right, right. So spoilers if you haven't seen the Dark Knight trilogy, but I mean, how you should have seen it by now. Uh, so the end of Dark Knight Rises, we do get a happily ever after. And Christian Bale's character, who does he play? Oh, Batman, yeah. Yeah, sort of, he disappears, doesn't he? And it, it, it leaves us with Alfred and he's sort of telling the tale. Uh, towards the end, he's the one trimming up the rest of the film, and he's uh, he's at a cafe, <laughs> and he uh, he sits down, and across is uh, Bruce Wayne. And he doesn't give him away; he just just tilts tilts his head just to say, "I acknowledge you," 
this is actually a subtle nod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It gives him right. a subtle nod. I'm just going to ignore that fact, uh, but I I really hate that. <laughs> I really hate that ending. I think it ruined the Dark Knight trilogy. <laughs> yeah, do you reckon he should have just died at the end of that? I or think it would have just... been so much better if he died in that explosion. Um, yeah, the because end I think then it allows for like, actually, you know what I hate more about that ending, uh, Robin. Oh yeah, uh, it's a bad ending, isn't it? That but last yeah. that last fifteen minutes is just well, they just shoehorned Robin in somehow. Yeah, he picks up his bag and he's just like, oh, you this might guy know. doesn't have the origin story or yeah. anything. You well, might know so my... Oh, I just so happen to be called Robin. Yeah, he gives in his passport or something. He goes, oh, people call me Robin. And you're like, you meant to like, your mind's meant to explode <laughs> in that moment. And we're like, no, no, we, yeah. we, we knew that. Yeah, we knew it. <laughs> well, you don't have to tell us. <laughs> all, of, all of the origins of Robin have been, they're all from circus families. Every single one of them. Like, yeah. There's probably one that isn't, but the the first I know Tim Drake and um, what's the first one called? Is Tim Drake the first Robin? Because there's a couple of Robins. Dick Grayson. Dick D- Grayson. Yeah, they 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 both exactly the same origin. Like they just went, I will just make them the same. Um, so when that happened in 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 that film, I was just like, eh, like why why though why? I know we're not getting any more yeah. of these. So like um, we even saw like a very similar origin in. Batman Forever or Batman Returns or whichever one Batman whichever one Robin's in in the first one yeah it was same as a circus person yeah um, in all of the the only reason well. I know about Dick Grayson is because I listened to the Weekly Planet yeah I actually same. know nothing about Batman and Robin yeah um, well this week it's a tough one who I'm going to give it to but you know what it's going to be Christian he's actually going to get it on oh yeah. I think that's, uh, that's uh, that bad. I'm not going to say your fact was good, Christian, because I don't think it wasn't. It wasn't like <laughs> a, a normally a winning fact. It was just the Batman one. Is uh, I hate that ending of Batman. <laughs> so it's not even. It's not even. Oh. Riches wasn't even bad. It's just the. But uh, yeah, don't watch that Charlie in the Chocolate Factory either, because uh, being cheated. Um, it's not very good. So um, it's not great. No, it's definitely not very good. No, it's it's compared to the original anyway. We'll not be doing it on the pod. No, not at all. Um, but this week on the pod, we've been um, we actually watched I Tonya, and we're going to talk about that now. So I, Tonya is a 2017 starring Margot Robbie and it is about a, co- a competitive ice skater called Tonya Harden um, which who rises amongst the ranks of the US figure skating team um, and then she has some problems she's from a weird like redneck background and all that gets in the way of her actually just ice skating um, and I've seen this film a couple of times um, and now the reason I wanted to uh, like pick this film is because the last couple of films that we had, actually the last five, lots of people have died in them. And I wanted to pick a film where hopefully no one dies. And then there was uh, there was actually a female lead because what I did realise, like we haven't done too many female-led films. So in the last five films, we did The Great Escape, Ex Magna, No Country for Old Men, Fury, and... The last podcast, the podcast that just went out was actually the last action hero, which we filmed months ago. And my question to you is, 
what was the kill count in all of those films? <laughs> Put together. Put together. So the great Did you escape, actually work this out? Yep, I've got the numbers right here. So in The Great Escape, how many do you think died in that? So like so many escaped, so many got, got away. Did anyone get away? Um, and then... Uh, I want to say 213. Nah, it's a lot lower than that. These are a okay. lot lower than you would expect. Uh, 53. Oh, 55 in The Great Escape. Killed on screen or like mentioned in the film? Uh, killed on screen. So okay, they say okay. it in the Who, film, don't they? In The Great Escape, that 55 yeah. died. Yeah. Um, so 55. They actually say it, don't they? Um, they give you the death, death count. <laughs> yeah. In, um, in Ex Magna, um, how many died in that? There was only four characters. Well, um, one, we see one two. die, and then there's an implied death of uh, Domino Gleason, isn't there? Yeah, so two. Two. Um, no Country for Old Men. This is going to be a surprising one. Um, how many people died uh, in that? Quite low, right? One. I would say four, four five. One's uh, implied as well. We know, we yeah. see loads of well, people get blown away. I'm going to say nine. There's nine. There's is, is actually nine, and then two, two are implied. So you've got... Um, uh, the the bad guy. What's he called in that again? Uh, the Twizzler haircut. The, yeah, the haircut guy. He's the people say he potentially died after that, which I don't think he did. And then his wife, which people saying it was unconfirmed, but I think what we got down to it in the in that podcast, she, she definitely died. Yeah, um, in that as well. So in Fury, how many people died? Bloody hell! Um, I'm gonna I'm Ooh. gonna go back up to two hundred. Six hundred. No, we only actually see 161 deaths in that film. People get shot. Um, and it, there was, you know, the final the final scene, they actually only killed around about 50 of the three, three, 400 troops that were there. But that was enough to obviously turn the tides and, and, and help the, everyone else get through. And the last one is the last action hero, which we did months ago. So um, how many deaths were in that? 23. Um, 17. 45 in that, <laughs> that we actually see on screen. It is. So that was in the last five films we've seen. On screen, on screen, or on, on screen, on, on off screen. Oh, I haven't got those numbers. I'll have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> um, but so in the last five films, we've had 267 deaths. In an I, Tonya, we have zero deaths, just one kneecap. Just, um, well, we've got a death of a career, haven't we? <laughs> Oh yeah, you got one there. Uh, there we go. There we go. So <laughs> I wanted. Death. So I did. A, a, like I was like, let's let's just have a film where no one dies. It's like we've had so many deaths and a female-led film from um, Margot Robbie. So, um, Rich, have you seen this before? And what did you think? Yeah, I'd seen it like last week. Um, and then when you said we should do it, I was like, oh, I've kind of seen it, but not not seen it recent enough to not have to watch it again and in all honesty I wasn't like dreading watching it again but I certainly wasn't excited to watch it again mm -hmm. um, I want to know what you guys think of this but for me I've just I'm indifferent about this film there's some things I like but there's there's nothing that I particularly love about it mm -hmm. not that I think it's it's bad in any way or like it's like low quality or or anything like the performances certainly aren't bad. I mean, one of them won an Oscar, two of them were nominated, but don't know. Not enough guns. <laughs> Not enough deaths. <laughs> Not enough killing. <laughs> Not 
No, uh, no, no. dog what did you think? No, I like this. I think this is quite a unique poem. I, I found it really interesting in lots of different ways. The, yeah, the particular highlights for me are the style. I like the style and the tone of the film. The tone kind of shifts throughout, which I found interesting. And the characters, the quite juicy characters and the performances of those characters are brilliant as well. Um, I like the themes. I think it's a really great commentary on uh, how the media treats people in America and the class system in America and domestic abuse and gender in America. And uh, I think it challenges a lot of people's preconceptions. Um, and I had no idea about Tanya Harding because this is a real, based on a real story. So that this story led me to kind of reading about that. And that in itself is an interesting story. Uh, so I like this film. Yeah, it's. I think it's it's somewhere between like a sports biopic, right, as well as a kind of a uh, like a farcical crime caber where yeah. they start. Um, so it's like it's two two films in one. I would say it's particularly quite evenly splits for the first half of the film and the second half of the film. Um, and I like the. The, the breaking of the fourth wall they do every uh, couple of times. Um, it's definitely not. It's definitely not a boring film. I would say there's a lot going on here that I enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, I've, like I says, I've seen this a couple of times now, um, and I think I seen it at the cinema when it came out. Um, it was just like, oh, there's a film with Margot Robbie, and I'll go and see it. It's about ice skating. And uh, what I, what I really liked about this is like she's so versatile. You know, we've we've seen her in lots of films and. Anytime she, she's on screen, she's always brilliant as an actress. Yeah, she's killed it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you and think it was good casting? And I was trying to figure this out watching this. Yeah, I, I, I think that I, I really like the cast. I think she's she's kind of is, is the lead woman as well in this. I think she's she's perfect. Like she changes her appearance um, as well, which, you know, you could as soon as you start watching it, I kind of forgot it was Margot Robbie. Um, yeah, for someone who's such for so well known as being like, you know, this blonde bombshell of Hollywood to go from that image to, to something that's not that and do it so well. Um, yeah. With very subtle changes just to her makeup and her hair and, and the way she kind of, you know, carries her body. Um, yeah. I think that's, and, that's, that's really interesting. And like, I, I, I didn't know anything about Tonya Harden as well. Um, when I, when I first watched this and it was, it was interesting to hear a, a kind of a different story of a different world. Um, you know, we've seen lots of like sports films of basketball and American football and things like that. We've had a couple of like f- football as we call it, English football films, which there isn't, there hasn't been a good one. I, I suppose Bender like Beckham, which I haven't seen in a, in a very long time. 20 years um, old, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Um, but, you know, it was like, I, I don't think I've seen an ice skating film. Um, obviously, there's things like, I think Will Ferrell did one um, years ago. Blades, Blades of, of Glory. Glory. Yeah, I've not actually seen that. Um, but yeah, it was just interesting to see into this world, um, into the era. So when was this set? It was like the early 90s? Mid, mid to early 90s, yeah. 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 Um, and 94, then we, I think. Yeah, so it was it was it was good kind of see that era, and like you said, kid, it was like the the media behind this because this is when things started to go to like twenty four hour news, and it was how like the media affected this story as well, and how they kind of overhyped it in in certain ways as well. Um, and it was I, I I thought the cast was uh was it was really good and just kind of like following her along. There's there's loads of like structural like editing choices in this, so. It's based off um, two interviews from Tonya Harden and is it a mother? Um, no, it's a, a, a husband. Husband, yeah. So the the 
the basis of those two interviews, but the, the the accounts of what actually happened are so different from the interviews. That's how he wrote the story. So you don't quite know, you know, I think we do get a lot of um, setup and payoff in this, but you don't quite know what's, what's, what's real, what's not as it's happening. And we get like alternative cutscenes um, for like, what the press was saying happened and then what actually happened and you know the the definitely unreliable narrators from those interviews and i like how the the kind of use that into the film we see the interviews of the fourth wall break and um and just how kind of the story structured um so yeah i i i i, I really did like this um when it's when it came out and then when i watched it, it's on netflix now uh I think that contradictory nature, contradictory narrative device works really well because um, they don't actually tell you what happened. You you have to make up your own mind um, whilst watching the story because, yeah, like you say, there's, there's lots of unreliable narratives and everyone in it, particularly Tonya, uh, the husband and the mother and the media, they're all telling their own versions of the story and they've got their own spin on it and it shows how they all contradict each other and they've all got their own biases and and yeah, I'm not sure how you thought but I didn't necessarily empathise or sympathise with, well I empathised, I didn't sympathise with Tonya mm-hmm. um, but it did the film allowed you to make your own mind up about her, whether she mm-hmm. was right or wrong. Uh, but you, what it does show, you do understand why she acted the way she did. But she's not like this hero that, you know, everything she did was forgiven. Yeah, because she, she you know, she, she got to the point where she was the, the, the best ice skater in the world. But when you look at what she was dealing with when she was at home and how she got brought up, it's just like, yeah, that's all she ever knew. Like, people always hurt her. Obviously, her mother put her through everything to kind of get her to where um, she is and, you know, to become the best ice skater. She's, you know, you have that conversation where she's talking about, you know, she sac- her mother sacrificed everything so she could become the best um, and, and pushed her and pushed her. And it's like, you, you, that and then, but that's all she ever knew. So that kind of filters into her ice skating. I think at, at the end, when she's in the in the court and she's she's just being banned, spoiler alert, from being an ice skater. She's just like, no, I'll do the jail time. I'll do it. And you can see how passionate she is. She just wants to skate. And I yeah, think it's devastating. That's court scene. So yeah, it was really sad. You know, and it's just when she says, "Oh, they only going to get eighteen months," but you you are um, you banning me for life. You know, and that, life that happened in in real life as well. It was the one. It's quite sad. It's the one thing she was good at, and she's denied being able to do it. And that's that's like a form of torture. Yeah, like not being able to, you know, do what you love and being banned from it. Um, you know, she goes to the Olympics and she has troubles there. You know, at, at a laces break, and it was just you know so difficult to kind of I think to kind of watch that scene because you're just like right you're getting there through all this hardship and your laces break and obviously that I think that happened in real life too um so what I like about it is like you do get those real accounts of what what went on but then you do get that unreliable narrators from from each character which is uh which I quite like about it um again that it's I like the theme of class in this and because she was really like this, right? She wasn't the typical image of what the ice skating community wanted to present. Um, you know, 
typically when they would ski, they would ski to something, you know, like classical music or something like that. And where she wanted to go out to heavy rock and she was from this redneck lower class background and you know the image they wanted was this shiny perfect you know young golden swan that you know looked perfect and so you could see you could see how the media turned on her quite easily when things started to go a bit sour for her mm-hmm. um but i do like how the film gives you that context and lets you make up your own mind about about her because uh, yeah i'm still not sure how much she actually did know about the incident and what she was involved in. Well, they portrayed it as if she was innocent in that sense, didn't they? That's it's, the one it's, thing. It did seem like the, they she knew something. Quite move around. Like you've got you've got all the different points of view, and then you've got like flashbacks to certain things where it's like the husband would be saying, "Oh yeah, I I did. I never hit her, but she chased me out of the house with a shotgun." Hmm. And in that scene, we will get. Margot Robbie turning at the camera and saying, "This is bullshit. I didn't do this." Yeah, and then she but fires the gun again. Of, of knowing whether she's like in the film that she clearly doesn't know what her husband's done, and that's yep. the only thing that sort of like could they have made it a bit more ambiguous since we were getting a collection of different narratives together. But at this point, like we need to have some bias, like. She's either innocent or she isn't. And I think if they chose to make her um, not innocent, that she knows what's going on, we probably wouldn't have empathised at all. Like, we need to have a protagonist. Uh, you know, she's, a, she's an anti-hero. She's certainly not a hero. Uh, but I think that they've levelled that quite well because they could have made it, like, imagine if she was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what's going on. Well, it would have been more... There was a bit of ambiguity, was there not? It's like she knew some things, didn't she? Says she knew that uh, they were plotting something against her. They were going to just threaten her or scare her uh, or something like that. But she didn't know the extent that they were going to break her legs or something like that. She I, in the film that portrayed it like she didn't know like anything. Like the she knew about the plan and then she thought the plan was cancelled. Yeah. So <clears throat> she's not innocent in that sense. Like she. Like, you know, when the husband and his mate, the fat, fat bloke, they were, uh, they're at the side of the rink mm. and they're like, we're going to do this. We're going to send letters, but we're going to have to do it from another state. She skates over and goes, I just don't care. Get away. <laughs> yeah. Don't care about it. Mm-hmm. And then when the husband is saying we need an alibi, she's just completely confused. She's like, an alibi for what? What are you talking about? And then only when she's in the room and the FBI come in, she's genuinely saying... I don't know anything about it. And the husband is clearly, li- he's not a great liar saying, no. I don't know anything about it. Who, who, the, who the husband, if you didn't know, is in The Martian, which we've spoke about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sebastian Stan, they've paired these two up really well. Like the casting for Margot Robbie, like you say, she's a, she's a superstar and she's a massive sex icon. And then to put her in a role that isn't like the super glamorous role and she plays like the, the hard-edged, redneck she's a bit rough but then pairing her with Sebastian Stan was a really good thing because it's imagine if they got like The Rock or something to play the husband yeah. or someone tiny imagine if they got Danny DeVito or something but they seem to <laughs> Those have are chemistry extremes. with each other even though they're beating the crap out of each other do you reckon <laughs> yeah um, The Rock and Danny DeVito <laughs> yeah twins this is the new Arnie really isn't he um, they could do twins again with Kevin Hart and The Rock 
If no one's ever seen Twins, Google Twins. Isn't there, there's there's talk of doing a a sequel called Triplets. Do Triplets with Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Oh, really? (laughs) I'd watch that. I mean, this is the first film I've seen Sebastian Stan in that wasn't like vague army guy or like. Yeah, I I thought that. This is like the most. This is like the most screen time I've ever seen him have in a film. Uh, I think he did really well. Like at first, I just thought he was like he's a good looking. You know, slender but muscular male character, and has some acting ability. But in this, like, he's pulling it. He's pulling it out the bag. He's wicked in it. Yeah, because there's like there's some scenes where um they're quite intense. Where the Mar- he's fighting, like you said, with um the scene where she's got the gun, or the the both fighting each other. You know, there's a lot of domestic abuse in this. But then there's a lot of you know. Then he's got the other side where he's chatting to his mate, who what's he called, uh, Sean, who is an idiot in this film and is based off a real person. And if you watch the interview, <laughs> so where funny, the interviews, if you yeah. look at them, they're like exactly the yeah. same. Yeah, like he's like I'm a like. An international spy that gets like you know hired for espionage from all of these agencies, and it's just like, and then an interview goes, but Sean, you don't do that, and he's like, well, (laughs) yes, yes, I do, and it's just like, no, you don't, Sean. Spot on, isn't it? No, yes, I do, and it's just like you can see, you know, when she's Tonya is obviously surrounded by idiots. You know, if she wasn't surrounded by them, she would have probably went on to have, you know, win an Olympic medal and all of this, these problems wouldn't have happened. And it's just so strange that, you know, these these were actually real people. Like, so, yeah, they've all got like their own self-delusions, haven't they? Yeah. Um, it's crazy and- how good the source material for this film is, considering mm-hmm. the source material is not fiction. Uh, usually they'll, obviously there'll be fabrication to some things, but you you look at interviews between them or like the original footage or you look at news headlines and things like that and read about it and most of it is quite accurate. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the, the stuff that you would consider far-fetched and only happened in a film happened in real life. Like they literally did beat up the other one, like yeah. uh, Nancy Kerrigan. I, mean, I think there's... the only thing that wasn't uh, solely accurate was the fact that I think she did have more involvement than they portrayed in the film in terms of what happened to Nancy. That's what I've read anyway. Like she wasn't as innocent as they made us made her out to be. Yeah, I mean that that opening. Um, I think it's the opening monologue when you see Margot Robbie sitting there when she's obviously older and she's like, um, you know, who would do that to a, a like a friend, a friend? And she's like, she, she's just like, she's a friend, by the way. She's she, even in that little interview. It's yeah. just like, did she's you have? speaking with a lot of subtext on it. Yeah, it's just like, you probably knew more, but she, you know, when she went to the FBI... Read it in her eyes. Yeah, she went to the FBI and gave like a transcript of what she did know and that's why her husband, Jeff, got arrested and the, the, the Sean got arrested and then eventually she got her, you know, skating licence taken off her. So she, she tried to do the right thing as well of like confessing to as much as she let on. Um, but obviously that was a, that was a downfall in, in the end. But like I said, right, I'm not saying I would go as far as breaking someone's legs, but you can see why they made the decisions <laughs> they did, because she's just been so, there was so much prejudice against her, and she was just it, constantly, it was constantly hitting well. a brick wall with like everything she, she did. Person. Yeah, like she was genuinely, she had it's talent. like she was malicious in the sense, <laughs> you go. No, I'm saying she clearly had right, talent. You go. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to end it there. Yeah. So like we get, we get a sense of protagonist from her because it's not like she was, 
it's not like it, that was their mission from the beginning yeah. to break Nancy Kerrigan's legs. It wasn't even their mission from the beginning to send death threats. It all came from a from a death threat given to Tonya Harding, which is so from Sean. It's, it's this retaliation concept. It's this whole thing of like, oh well, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it, and there's there's a big rivalry going on, and sh- they were trying to do it in in. It's, it's almost innocent way. It's like, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to show you a little bit of fire. And then it all just sort of spirals out of control. Yeah. I was reading about the comparisons the Tanya and Tonya and Serena Williams with tennis. Like Serena Williams got the same treatment that she did by the press because she wasn't the typical, she wasn't the image that the sport wanted to portray. You know, she was, she was big and, and powerful and, and, uh, yeah, not the, the typical image of the sport, but the difference with tennis and ice skating is that tennis is about, you know, there's scores on a board and if yeah. you're in front of it, you're not going to win. Whereas yeah. ice skating, it's all about it's opinions, right? So there's there's another hurdle you have to do. No matter how good you are, you're still a victim of whatever the judges say about you. You can't like be perfect and then they could still give you, I don't know, three out of 10 or whatever. I don't know how it works. Um, so yeah, that just, you could, you could sense the frustration of her just kind of hitting this brick wall that she just couldn't. Nothing she could do was good enough. Yeah. The trouble is that she had something which was objectively better than anyone else, and that was the whole thing pinning this as the, the triple axle and no one else could do it. And it's like, well, <clears throat> how am I not getting more points than anyone else when I can do a move that no one else can do? Surely that makes me better, objectively. Yeah. Like in tennis, you score more points. But because it's like literal judgment, isn't it? And you get those social class uh, themes in it. Like how, uh, I don't understand how, how well of a plot line this realist, like this actually happened, but it's a film. Like with, with other like adaptations from like real life events that they either, they're not that interested or they're also quite far-fetched or they fabricate a lot of stuff and like mix mm-hmm. it around. But this just seems like, how the hell did this happen? Yeah, I mean, I think what the way I was right, reading a little bit about how he's writing is, like he says, he took these two like interviews. So he, he looked at the whole timeline and got all of the news reports so he could build that up and, you know, okay, this is what happens. And then, you know, looked at these two interviews and the two interviews or three interviews are so different. And he's just like, right, I've got to make that f- a film like that. So That's interesting it in itself, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, is it true? Is it not? Okay, let's, let's put enough in there. Because even at the time when this was all over the news, people didn't know what was going on. I mean, this is news, you know, fake news is straight away. And like it says, this was just at the time in America where, you know, it was 24-hour news. You know, we are used to that now. So, you know, the need to fill spots. And at the end of this film, you see um, OJ, like... It, that all that's just starting to kick off. Yeah, it's like it's like on how the, on the TV when he becomes a no one again. Yeah, it's like it's like they pass Tonya pass the bat on over to OJ and like, all right, you take it now, you take yeah, the media. It's, I mean, this this, attention. Happen, this happens all of the time. You know, you, we go, oh, there's been this massive news story for months and months and months, and everyone's sick of it. And all of a sudden, something else comes along, and you go, do you not want to talk about that other one? You just Same. want to talk about the new one now. Talk about Brexit for two years and then coronavirus comes along we're like, what about Brexit? Like, no one's talking about that anymore. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Because the news, whatever's on trend, unfortunately it is coronavirus at the minute, um, 
but yeah, so it's you know it's similar with the entertainment world, and obviously with the entertainment world, you know you've got those opinions of like sports fans, and like it says, it's kind of like the judging system. It's just like you know we'll give you less points because it's a bit more dramatic, you know, for for us. And you have all of those opinions, and you look at the past, who they are, and the trouble they've had. Um, so she's like super hard done by, but she's also. Um, surrounded herself with idiots and unfortunately she's been she, she grew up into a family where you know well our mother hates her but also loves her you know we you have that you get that scene where she like comes to her apartment and um she's saying she's really proud of her and then she's got a tape recorder in her pocket and you're just like oh man i thought she was she was going to have some redemption like in her mother was going to have some redemption in that scene but she really doesn't but that's just who her character is um and it's it's really well how how they've managed to layer that character I mean she she won the Oscar didn't she for this yeah, film yeah she did and it really goes to show there was one scene in particular that I thought was really clever and whether it happened in real life or not it looks good on a script and it's when um, we, we get some foreshadowing earlier on to say that she she works better she skates better when she's angry and she's got a pro- point to prove so then she goes off and, and she fails and then she, she sacks her first instructor. So then she gets the second instructor and we see straight away that she's like really loving to her and she's saying, oh, you're perfect. You're going to do all this. And she's nothing like the original instructor. And all of a sudden this guy leans over and says, whoa, Tonya, you stupid you, cow. You like you're rubbish and all this. And we're like, oh man, what's going on? She's getting angry. And then he goes and sits down and then he gets a pay packet from his mom. And at first I was thinking, oh, what a bitch. And then I was like, no, no. She's, she's doing, doing that it, because yeah. she wants her to win. That's yep. so clever. Like, like at first on a shallow level, I was like, oh, that is that is evil. But no, she's she still wants her to do it. She wants her to succeed. And she's gonna she's she'll do something hard ass and malicious to make her do that. It reminded me of uh, we just watched the, the last dance with Michael Jordan and and Netflix. And he he played his best when someone likes dissed him like a few oh, yeah. games ago like he remembered it <laughs> and he like used that as uh like energy there, there was to play a, better yeah there was one one instance where they were in the playoffs it was like the third game or something and michael john's in the restaurant and the coach from the other team is in the restaurant and Mike, he sees the sage of her and the coach blanks michael jordan and uh, he's, you know, he's quite. He, was, he would shake your hand and say, you know, you'd have a little bit of uh, back and forth with you. Here. And uh, but the the coach just blanks him, and then Michael George just scores like sixty points in the next game, and just goes, there you go, just don't blank us. It's not healthy, like, is it? <laughs> not oh, not oh, a no. good way. Of, it might win games. It's not a good uh, good for your brain. No, it's definitely not a good motivator. But it just proves that she, you know, that her mother knew exactly what motivated her. But also, I think within that scene when she sacks her first coach and, you know, she goes, you see her skating, um, you know, just after that and she goes, uh, you see like a little flashback of her like drinking and eating and not training, right? So she, she clearly just went, I've, I'm the best now. And then there was no one there to like support her to continue yeah. being the best because she didn't have enough money. It was a Rocky money. three, wasn't it? Yeah, she didn't have the infrastructure and the trainers and the money to have someone all of the time you know yeah, um which was so, a rocky one hi so um it, it's like it's so much like 
like she gets it's kind of like when we talk about characters you know you, you've got to put them keep building them into a corner and things just need to keep stacking up on top of them each other and and with with this character we get sometimes it's her fault it's you know is what's going wrong for her but it's also the external there's a lot of internal and external um faults that she's got and that uh, unfortunately makes her you know she she she, she can do the triple axel which I don't even know how something like that's possible. We were obviously just talking about, I can't even step on the ice without falling over. And then uh, should people do Apparently, stuff like that? The reason she could do it, well, she's obviously very talented and good, but because she was a very athletic person, like she had muscles where ice skaters wouldn't normally have muscles. She was a bit bigger and mm. more muscular, so she could carry herself more. But that kind of went against her because she didn't have the look, you know? So it's like, do you want us to look good or be good on the ice? It's like, what do you want here? Yeah. Um, so that was one of the Is reasons. Is that what people said about you during your career? You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you were the first person to do the Twizzler. <laughs> yeah. Um, they they said I had the look. Yeah. They <laughs> liked my new they liked my new beard. And your new uh, samurai haircut. Uh, <laughs> Christian has a samurai haircut. How are you finding the beard in this in this heat, K Dog? How are you finding the long hair and the beard? Yeah, I'm not a fan. Not a fan in the heat. I wish uh, lockdown came during the winter where, you know, grow more hair and be, be uh, <laughs> Yeah. Keep me warm. Yeah. I'm, you trimmed it. Looks like you've trimmed it. Yeah, I keep trimming it now. Got a beard yeah, grooming kit. Better. Got like a little beard oil and then oh, did you? balm and stuff. I'm a beard boy now. <laughs> Should we talk about uh, direction? Are you going to <laughs> do an undercut? Or like a goatee? Yeah, you're gonna start I'm, wearing long, long V-neck t-shirts. I mean, you could uh, grow a mustache like uh, Sebastian Stan does in this film. Oh, he had a good little mustache, didn't he? Oh, he did. there's a segue. <laughs> Rob's just rolled the segue back now. Yeah, do you want to? Um, do you want to talk Sebastian about Sebastian um, Stan's talk about performances? Well, direction and execution. That was going to talk about. Uh, kind of. I've got something I didn't like. That's kind of related to that. You know, this is a. A lot of films do this and I really hate it and I also find it really funny when they do it but when the voiceover was like do you know when what's it called where you see the you see them as a kid and then they slowly get older and older and older and then there's a point in the storyline when you're like all right we need to actually get the main actor in <laughs> like at yeah, what age but we need to make them a bit younger we either have to commit to having a younger actress yeah. who yeah. can sort of looks kind of like that or should we try and yeah. make her look younger whereas in this one it decided- was where in this one the, the there was a voiceover was like when i was 15 and then it cuts to just a fully grown margot robbie and i'm yeah. like there's no way you are 15 <laughs> to try to make her look younger. She had, she had freckles and spots and shorter <laughs> hair though. And braces, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just love it when films do that. I find it really interesting. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I mean, we'll jump onto the haircuts in this. You know, the definitely 90s uh, <laughs> haircuts, which are like atrocious. I don't think anyone has a good one in the 90s. Um, and like, the, It instantly uh, makes them look older, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Um I remember my sister looking exactly like that when I was younger. Like, and even the clothes and everything, because she used to do gymnastics. It was like weird. It's like, oh, Sam's on screen. This is so strange. So direction then. What are you thinking? Overall, I think, I mean, obviously we'll get into editing, sound design, visual effects and everything, but as a complete package, including the performances and everything, there isn't a, a lot that they get wrong in this film. 
I think you've spoke about it, the stylistic choices of having the interviews and then using the um, unreliable narrator and breaking the fourth wall. And it all creates this distinctive style that if it, if it was just a, like a typical biopic, it, I'd, I'm not sure I would have enjoyed it. Like on no. paper, I don't think this is a great film other than a scandalous story revolving around sportsmanship. But then like you add all these pieces together, you add some yeah. wicked performances, you heighten up some some emotion and add some contrast and it's it's pretty tasty. Like, Yeah, once you add all the, like, the filmmaking elements to this and take them to some of them, like you said, to the next stream, it's entertaining. But it's, it's kind of like, you know, have you seen um, The Big Short? which is about the financial crisis. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's not which Margot Robbie's actually in it explaining one of the terms of the financial crisis, but she's playing Margot Robbie in a bathtub drinking, like, oh, uh, yeah. champagne. <laughs> um, Again, another fourth wall. That, Schiller's breaking the fourth wall, like. Yeah. The, they make that film interesting, just the way it's structured and how many different stories you're seeing and the fourth wall, because that's on paper. Why do I want to watch a film about the financial crisis? I yeah. don't. Like, didn't she break the fourth you know, we, wall? Didn't she break the fourth wall in Harley Quinn as well? Have, see, have you seen the new film? Yeah, yeah, she did actually. In in, in uh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, I don't know if she does, but definitely Leonardo DiCaprio breaks the fourth wall. She just loves uh, breaking walls. I think she might breaking walls. That yeah, loves it. Breaking walls. She um she might break the wall in the Wolf of Wall Street. I've only seen that film once. I know, I know um, what the the main character does. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um. So yeah, with all of those like filmmaking elements. This makes an interesting story. It's like, okay, let's hype up the drama. We've actually got characters which, you know, they look like they're very close to the real life ones, which again are like, you go, is this actually real? Were these people real? Like, yeah. is this guy you th really thinks he's part of the CIA or like he's a, <laughs> he's a spy? Like, okay, right. A, a husband is, you know, he's just as daft as, uh, is, is what she is. So, okay, that's fine. Okay. A mother. Okay. She's, She's an extreme character, but in real life, she was. She treated her daughter like this to, for her to be the best. And, you know, you hear that in sport, parents, you know, t treating their kids and the, to the, to the extreme. They fit into those traits quite well as well. For but So say, like, what was it, K-Dog, you said? It, it's halfway between a sports movie It's like a sports biopic and, like, a, a, a kooky, like, crime caper film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you, if you think about all of the typical character traits or character roles that you have in a sports film like you've got like a like coach carter you've got like the hard ass coach or like the hairy mentor and the mother yeah. just happens to fit that role and then you've got the person on the other side who's pulling away from the mother and saying like you, you you're being too obsessive get back to reality and that's the husband and i'm i'm still just overwhelmed at how well this fits into a film no wonder the uh, the writer, by the way, he's called Steve Rogers. <laughs> he's oh, not no. Captain America. <laughs> Stephen Rogers, he's called. That's um, why he hired Bucky. <laughs> that's it. Oh yeah. man, it all makes oh, sense. Man. <laughs> I think it's because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, threw us off there like <laughs> <laughs> just well, fell off um, his segue there. <laughs> I was going to say there's there's lots of tonal shifts in this film, right? Sometimes it's really really serious and sad particularly you know, with the courtroom scene and some of the more like um, some of the, a lot of the scenes with their mother uh, are quite low um, but then there's lots of comedic moments 
Um, even particularly with like the domestic abuse, sometimes the domestic abuse is played off as this is really serious and wrong and all of that. And then sometimes it's played off for a, a joke, like when she turns to the camera and like, I can't remember what she says, but I think he says, yeah, that didn't happen. And then jump cut yeah. to him, it, it happening. It's quite a humorous thing. Like the way it's, the way it's, um, yeah, I'll tell you about the domestic ex- violence as well. Is all right, I'll, I'll preface this by saying I don't think any domestic violence between males or females or anyone in between is right. People shouldn't hit each other. But they've got that line of, of empathy and not sympathy towards Tonya by yeah. making sure that whenever there was domestic violence in a scene, it was she was being an arsehole, they're riling each other up. He might yeah. hit her. She 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 doesn't start crying. She starts hitting him back, and it's yeah. Kinda I like how like she gets a few hits in. It's very equal in that sense. Obviously, she's still getting beat up by a husband, which is I'm objectively wrong. Let me just preface that again. Yeah. What um, I didn't what I didn't like was sometimes you know he give her a good a good thump, and there was just no bruising. Like I hate it in films in general where like they go through these big scraps and they come out the next day and they've just they've just got a little mark on the face like a little tiny scrape. Well, and like no, your face film, your face says, would be black and blue. Doesn't she say like our mother says I can I can see your shiner through the makeup? Yeah, yeah I just think it's too, it's too little. Should like it would have it would have been yeah black and blue. Yeah. What else were we talking about before we started talking about? No, well, well just in terms of the. <laughs> Um, just in terms of the direction, like I haven't seen any of the films this, the, the director's um, made. He's, he's got one with uh, Ryan Gosling, which I've been meaning to watch. And it's Ryan Gosling's girlfriend is like a mannequin and he believes it is. And I was just like, that just sounds like... I've seen like, that one. Is that like, um, what's it called? Something a doll? Sex Lawrence doll? and the real girl. Yeah, yeah Lawrence uh, and the real girl. That's fun, that. That's, that's, yeah, a, that's, made- that's an old film. Yeah, it's well, 2007, 10 years before this, but anything else I haven't seen. Um, he did a, a film called Million Dollar Arm, which is another sports film starring John Hamm. And it looks from the poster that he's an American football coach, maybe baseball. Um, and it's a Disney film, so you can kind of tell where that's going to go. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've not not seen anything from from him. All the, all the writer as well um, was, was Steve Rogers. Is it no yeah, Steve well, so Rogers? What's is Captain the, America done? What's he done in terms of um, again a, a lot of just um, a film I called Step Mum? Yeah, um, yeah, he's done like loads. anything. He's, story. There's only Ju- ten credits Ju- there for writer. Yeah, Julia Roberts is in and Sandra Bullock. Those types of films. Um, you can't distinguish ra- them too. No, no, he does. He does have. He does have a film with Julia Roberts in and Sandra Bullock because they're next to each other and I'd say the difference. Um, so yeah, in terms of like, in terms of that, like, I think this is this is a massive like hit for for the yeah, writer yeah, and the director. So like the the quality went- of this film and and the scope and the vision. You've got you've got a writer and a director who you know, compared to the, the big movie pe- people haven't done that much work. So either they've yeah. done like a, a shed load of producing uh, that they haven't claimed credit for or they've mm-hmm. just knocked it out of the park somehow. Yeah. And in this film had a budget, it says estimate of 11 million. Um, and I think that's, it's 
you know, for for a film of I think of this quality, you know, that's that's not a lot of money, especially it with Margot like Robbie in this. Feels like a big Hollywood this. movie, and for eleven yeah. million, only three years ago, like eleven millions considered. Like, yeah, particularly you know, with um, now, the soundtrack as well. They must have spent a hell of a lot on their songs that they bought. Yeah, um, and for it to go so far to to the Oscars, I think like it just shows testament to to what the director got out of this, and it's clearly the writers and the director's vision in terms of the style. Um, and like I said, Rich, I don't think you could make this film any other way. Yeah. Otherwise, I think it would just be either too comical where it's just like, okay, it is it is a Will, Fer- Will Ferrell movie now. Uh, it goes to the extreme of that where it's silly or it's just a boring biopic, which yeah. is just like, I think like it's got the right balance. A tonal shift in it and it seems to, to sway between them really well without feeling like, it's like whoa, the genre of this movie's just completely changed. It definitely yeah. feels like it's a like unsacrificed vision. Yeah, it really does, and I think probably with the price of eleven million, the you know there wasn't a big massive studio budget behind this, and studio behind us that can go out and make a film their way. And you know, I think we've done enough films where we're, we're starting to see that a little bit more. I think Ex Machina was very similar. It had a very small budget and it's so weird and it, it, but that allowed him to make his vision. You know, yeah. it, it didn't, it, it wasn't like a big, big Hollywood studio film where there's I too many eyes on it. I watched a, an interview with the director and I think he'd, he'd mentioned that it was a very sort of quick cheap film in you know comparing to bigger numbers yeah. uh and I, I think it was like the only yeah 30 days it took to shoot this movie and oh, wow. um what's she called Alison Alison Janney who plays the mother who won the Oscar I do believe um I think she was only on set for like a week or on location oh really week. wow that's yeah. that's quite a a, quite a fast turnaround um, especially for her scenes because a lot of her scenes she's quite intense um, you know the, they're not like easy scenes to play and she plays quite a horrible character like from being from when Tonya's like so young to you know when she's obviously doing the interview when uh, that little bird uh, by the way the um, they actually auditioned like 12 different birds you know the bird that's sitting on her shoulder oh, that's yeah. like pecking out of ear in the interview uh, uh, six actually audition. Yeah, yeah, they actually auditioned so many different, like four different birds, I think it was. Surely it's right not one. called auditioning, is it? Is you, whether yep. they're they like call each bird into the room. Well, yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, it's the, exact- all these birds have got headshots and everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. CVs that, and she, agents. Yeah. Yeah. They, no, I'm being serious, Sh- they will do. <laughs> they actually do. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, well, how she, would they she, find all these birds? How would they she, find all she, those squirrels from earlier in the episode? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's a throwback uh, to earlier. Are they just though. gonna Are they just gonna find them on the street? No, they have squirrels that are. They can either train them or they are trained. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I just like man. the idea Honestly. of them. Just like I like the idea of birds like lining up to go into this room. <laughs> well, they don't just just they don't just open the window and see what bird flies in into the audition room, and then they're just like, wait, got an eyes, get get that one out. Someone with a cage comes along. Um. Right. Let's speak about... So this must be an independent film then? Yeah, I think so. I can't... Distributed by Neon and 30 West, so it's it's not a studio movie. Yeah, like I said, I've seen this at the cinema um, and I think it was just one of those random 
films where it didn't have it wasn't like a massive like uh run especially in england because you know the stories about an american ice skater um, yeah this this probably's never really hit the uk in terms of news um so i think it had a quite a short run in the uk but i think i, I just was flicking through it was like oh there's a film of margot robbie in and you go yeah i'll go and see it because it's margot robbie the she's one of those i think because of the the oscar nominations the production yeah, company adverts where i remember they were saying they're all nominated but I, I don't remember um, Alison Jenny so the production, and Oscar winner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said the production company was um, Lucky Chap Entertainment and that was set up by Margot Robbie. She's a very smart, smart young lady. Um, this was the first film they produced. Smart young lady. She's the same age as you. Yeah, Chris. I, know, I looked, old I looked at her age today and I'm like, smart oh my young lass she is. I too, right? She's a smart young lass. <laughs> But no, to be so, she must have been, she must have been twenty five. She must have been twenty five when she set up this. Yeah, and most you know most what? actresses wouldn't think about setting up their own production company, would they? They'd just yeah. like get the roles and, and that they're offered. But this yeah, was the first just, film they produced in a gross yeah fifty three million. So that's not a bad first film for a company, is it? No, no. She's going to be um, producing and starring in the new Pirates of the Caribbean, which got now announced today. So she's oh, going right. to be the lead. So female lead Pirates of the Caribbean, which is good because I don't think, I think Captain Jack Sparrow, especially in the first one, so iconic in his character. I think that f- the first Pirates in him and his delivery is like perfect. I think He just the, carried the, the whole the rest series, ca- didn't he? Yeah, th- there's too much of it now. Yeah, so, um, so I think Margot Robbie is like the number one pirate. I'm like, yeah, I'll go and say yes. that. I'm interested now. Yeah, yeah. So the um, the production company also produced Birds of Prey earlier this year and that grossed 200 million. So oh, right. I think all of it is Margot Robbie's work, to be honest. She's just a smart young lass, isn't she? She's, <laughs> She's a smart young lass. <laughs> um, let's move on to... then, yeah? Yeah, I was just about to say that. Um, yeah, I mean... Lenses and lighting. Yeah, I mean, what I like about this, you get, you know, you get that uh, early 90s kind of, I think the whole cinematography, it's definitely the production design and art design of the of the sets and everything of the early 90s. I think that looks great. Um, but, you know, you, the thing is the interviews, the, you know, they're quite casual in a way where, you know, when we first see them. Um, but then we get like the contrast of that when she's actually performing and the stadium lights and you know how dramatic that is and um, I really like the look of this film and um, we'll get on the visual effects in a bit because oh there's a bit ropey in in terms of the, when she is performing but um, no I really I really like this the the kind of style and I like how it kind of it jumps in between different styles so you know when she's talking about. Um, and the media just thought that Tonya Harden actually broke that person's legs, and it it cuts to like a kind of Joker esque type scene, smashing her in the in a yeah. like top lit like really dark corridor, blood yeah, on her face, like, like highlighting. Yeah, you could put that in like when she was playing um, Harley Quinn. You could put that exact scene in, and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's Harley Quinn." There was another um, film you recently and- watched where they did that, didn't it? I can't remember which, which film it was, but it's a film where it has not. Uh, like fictional flashbacks or someone's idea of something and they did it where it was all spotlit and like way over the top and deliberately stylized. I'll look back at our episodes. You keep talking. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, there, was, there was definitely a lot of Harley Quinn in their performance, I would say, sometimes. That kind of unhinged craziness behind the eyes. Yeah. 
Which I, I think obviously really suits this character because th- there is unhinged. You know, she she she's so she's so powerful in her performances when yeah. she's ice skating. You know, that is her life as well. That's what she's like in real life. She's not like. Uh, you know, you don't see too many scenes. There is a couple where, you know, she's just down to earth. She's just hanging out with the other ice skaters and she's just actually just having a nice time away from... Actually, the only time we do see her having a nice time is when she's actually away from all of those other characters. When she's kind of in the ice skating world and she's actually... You see, there's a scene with her and the other... Uh, Nancy Carrigan, a friend, like they're actually having a nice time. Uh, eating pizzas, yeah. drinking beer, and it's just like, I, I think that's the only real time we see that. Um, but then the, the other scene that I really like in terms of the the cinematography is I think it's it's one of the last performances um, where she has to go out, go out, and it's either the Olympics one, which is like putting her makeup on and she's like trying to smile. I really like the lighting of that. Obviously, it's it's quite front lit from the the mirror. The, it would have had like a light around the mirror, and it's like just on her, and it's like. It, it it doesn't it's kind of shy way of like changing when it's really dramatic you know just one big light on her and it's it's a little bit contrasty but then all of the house stuff is quite you know soft in the house it's all just daylight coming through and um, big windows in, in each of each of the sets um and they use a lot of natural stuff for that as well so there's there's a good mixture in this and it all kind of fits together i like that and, was- you know when she's doing the triple axis for the first time um mm-hmm. The way it's shot, it's like a shot like an action film. It's like yeah, in a slow motion. Yeah, whereas it was uh, John John that did the the lighting for the the daydreaming. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was all top lit, like a like a theater. Which which is like when um, the other film, obviously, he did Five Hundred Days of Summer. They do stuff like that as well. There's like a um, a musical bit in it, so you know, it's it's. I I quite like films when everything. Yeah, when they're trying to over overemphasize a point, like it's good to have like I think those moments where you just like like when a she's Gandalf smashing in the, the um, yeah, like you, you know you know when she's smashing in the um, Nancy Carrigan's knee, which is you know fake, it didn't happen. It's just like it's good to have like a different look to that because it's just like okay, yeah, this this is so dramatic, it looks so dramatic, this didn't happen. So it kind of puts puts a point to the audience. It's like this is real, this is not, and then obviously you've got a few things which are like in between, in between when they're yeah. kind of kind of telling that, which is um which is super cool. I've just actually been watching Westworld season three, um, and episode one. She's kind of like in a she's in a simulation at one point. One of the characters. But when she finds out it's a simulation, they, they change the aspect ratio. Um, and then from oh, then right. on, uh, the you, she's in that aspect ratio. She's in War World. That's the same like as... Nazi, Nazi um, have you seen The Five Bloods yet on Netflix? Just came out. Spike Jones's new film. No, I'm uh, not It's about a Vietnamese war and some five black soldiers uh, that are in the war and they go back to Vietnam. Spike, is it not Spike Lee? Spike Lee, sorry, yeah. Who's, is he Spike Jones again? No, let's make that up. No, he's, Spike he's, Jones he's is the other one. Lo- <laughs> over one. Spike Lee. They're both directors. Um, <laughs> Spike Jones is Casey Neistat's best mate. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um, a very, very heavily stylized film, but he uses aspect ratio. So um, it goes back and forth in time. And when they go back in time, it's four by three. And when, they in, when oh, they're nice. in the present yep. time, it's... Uh, widescreen mm-hmm. 
I quite like it. Yeah, it's the first time I've seen yeah, it. I'm, yeah, if you, there's a TV show on Amazon called Homecoming. It's by the same guy who did Mr. Robot. Uh, season one does that. So you see the past and then you see the present and then, you know, the slowly kind of blend together. But it's four by three in the past and then uh, oh, 16 nice. by nine. Yeah. And it's uh, not me. Uh, watch that show, please, because um, I remember watching it and I, know, I don't know anyone that's watched it. And it's so weird that I'm like, did I actually watch that show? Um, or did I just yeah. like dream it? It's kind of like you and the bike seller of your bike uh, tire. <laughs> kid was he was yeah. he actually there? So um, it's on Amazon Homecoming. Did you get your um, bike sorted? It's just quite weird. No, give up. <laughs> just give up. It's just sitting just in the up. corridor with two flat tires. It's now it's now um, a spider's home. I've just given it to them. <laughs> They're just building webs around it. So you know it's being used. <laughs> for, for something that's a shame just buy a new just buy a new tyre a full new tyre you just need a, you just need two new tyres is it just one wheel yeah there's not even two just if anyone wants to um, donate to the Christian Foreman <laughs> bike bike is knackered fund um, we, we don't it's have one so he just has to go into his own pocket no <laughs> Yeah, it's a shame we don't have a Patreon set up because we you can have like achievements, and uh, when you get an achievement, you, you will be like buy Christian a new bike tire. That could be the first one. Um, we might need to do a, a Patreon at some point. Um, talking about um, art direction and production design. Talking about, just talking about uh, the the artists who are patrons and they pay for their the things for going into artistry. Let's talk about the art direction yeah, that'll of the do. movie. That was wasn't um, a smooth like that I said, one. That was a bit of a bumpy segue. Yeah, um, like it says, I th- you know, it's got the whole nineties kind of. It just looks crap. <laughs> like it, nothing looks good. It does, doesn't you it? Know, it's, it does, does, does yeah. look crap. Uh, those, yeah, uh, it's those, just like the blinds, the the costumes, everything's just. You know what it is? It must be because we grew up in the nineties, so that is like the oldest life has ever been for us without being like nostalgic or like in in films so when we get to that yeah, point it's like man this just looks this just 90s looks so just rubbish <laughs> 90s just isn't cool yet I, I imagine it will at some point in time but like 80s it, it is feels cool really the, cool uh, the generation younger than us like they're going like, really? proper 90s Mom, like mom jeans and like the way the colours and everything people are wearing like it's gone 90s again bucket hats are back the fashion was terrible Even everyone the mu- dresses the- like Fre- like Kevin and Perry go large the, the music was crap well not all of it we'll but have to like do that the, one, you know the popular music back then was crap like was any does was anything new in the 90s? Because everything just looks old. Like, was there anything new that came out? Even, like, when you look at, oh, they've got, like, a like a VCR and, like, a TV. I think it is because, like, this was, like, the first decade where people did were able to access, like, things like cameras and photos, right? But at this point in time, they were still pretty crap, weren't they? So, like, we have all this documentation that just looks really pixelated and like it was from 100 yeah. years ago I mean nothing I think that they had the technology but nothing was like um, like streamlined everything was just bulky and big you know like camcorders were obviously massive and stuff and it's just like we have they haven't got the technology small enough 
in the 90s, but it's there because you can see it because it's massive and it looks old. Um, Basically, the 90s was a a regretful time for fashion and architecture and (laughs) home decor, (laughs) most things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, everything looks good. I mean, Margot Robbie's hair goes through a couple of changes and it, it, it just looks like... It, it it does look like the nineties, so um, they've got it like spot on. I mean, I, I think the colours of this as well. You know, there's nothing anything that's too vibrant in the film. Um, you know, I think our costumes they get a little bit more vibrant throughout the film when she's starting to like when she succeeds. But I like how the costumes because uh, you know it's very easy to make Margot Robbie look look good, right? Uh, but in this, you could see how some of the costumes quite ill-fitting uh and quite they look like they've been made like handmade at home uh which 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 helps with the whole fact that you know she she doesn't have a lot of money she's got to make do with what she has you know all of that kind of it looks like cheap cheap material yeah it's like so everything that she's wearing it's just like oh this is second hand this is you know her makeup isn't isn't particularly flattering you can see the makeup on her well, it's kind of she. Obviously, she does that her herself, which we see a couple of times, and it's just like I bet all of the other ice skaters don't. They've got someone doing that for them. Their performance. There's, there's someone who does the, you know, the makeup. Well, she just seems she just seems like the type of character that in everyday life wouldn't wouldn't wear makeup, or if she did, she wouldn't wear a lot of it. Um, so she probably yeah. wouldn't be used to kind of dolling dolling herself up at competitions like this, and you can really see that. Yeah, because she she just wants to prove it. What she's worth via skating? Yeah, sure. Well, she wanted, exactly. She shouldn't thinks it shouldn't be about appearance. She, the the talent should yeah. speak for itself, but unfortunately, it doesn't. Which 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 just builds up all of the problems in the story again. And it's it's like there's so many things that build up on top of her um, that like stops her from from succeeding. So, um, right. What what have we got now? Um, so yeah, that's special slash visual effects. Um, obviously, the main. Like special special effect is the ice skating. So obviously, she, she uh, Margot Robbie spent about three months, uh, five days a week, uh, ice skating and learning the beginnings of the performances. Kind of when she's not doing a lot of the the big stunts, but then it's actually a stunt double. Um, but what they did was they replaced the face of the stunt double with Margot Robbie, so they scanned it in digitally. Um, and there's a video online where. They can actually just move Margot Robbie's face around and make a smile. I watched, yeah. I watched that. Did you? Three D rig, like, isn't it? I watched that. Mm-hmm. I would, they they put her in like a, this big round pod, didn't they? Like a million cameras yeah. pointing at her. Uh, it looked it looked fascinating. I mean, that's what they do for like um, I think Robert Downey Jr. in the Marvel films. Like obviously they've got his face scanned in, but he actually owns the rights to that. So if they ever want to use it, they've got to pay him. Some actors that obviously waive that right because they'll get paid more now. Um, but when what did you think about her actual the stunt double and her face on when you were watching it? Some I didn't think okay, it was that bad. I don't see it, but I think the rest of mm-hmm. it's atrocious. Like it, yeah, it it sticks out like a sore thumb. Like it some really of it's does. okay, but like you look at it and it looks like she's wearing a paper mask half the time. Yeah. And just to yeah. think that in it, Avengers Endgame, they completely replaced the costumes for most of the film. I mean, faces are a little bit more difficult because you get the uncanny valley, but for uh, 
if if this was a a bigger budget film, I imagine they probably would have had more technology. But with like deep fakes and stuff coming out in the last year and a half, and just you can see that this was before the newest step up on tech on visual effects tech. Yeah, there, there was like- a couple of shots where they managed to blue screen it, so you know the the slow mo shot where she's spinning in the air, obviously yeah. doing the uh, the Triple Twizzler Ash- Mega Axis Mega Spin. <sighs> um, I think that was a was a blue screen element, but the rest of it was three okay. um, D model. I like that they had. They had to do the special effects for the, the spin because there are people in the world that can do that, uh, like professionals. But they couldn't get any of them to do it because, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna risk my life, not risk my life, risk my, you know, having an injury for you a film. Injured, like, yeah. I've got to yeah. go to the Olympics in a couple of months. Like, <laughs> so they had to, yeah, all so of that didn't, was. Did the? It's done in. You it's done in 2017. We haven't had an Olympics this year. So all these people are yeah, like, oh, I could have been in that film. <laughs> well, film. that's what well, you get. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the 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 face replacement in this is the biggest downside. Like it says, I think if it had a more of a budget, um, I, I honestly honestly think it would be better. Um, but it does look at some points the face is just like it's on there, but it's not moving, and it's just like. It's just, there's yeah. just something not right about it. I didn't um, think it was that bad, to be honest. As a pass, like if you're a passive viewer, um, yeah, you, you, it was fine. Maybe if you're like looking at it and you're looking for it, obviously you, you'll I mean, see some stuff. But um, I, I went I went to see this film in the cinema. So yeah. I'd noticed, I did notice it there on the big, big screen. Um, so, and that was the one thing, as soon as I seen it, I couldn't unsee it. Yeah. Which was really, really annoying. Um, what do you actually think about, uh, you know, so she's she starts the routine, the skating routine, and she's, you know, she's, she's do- Margot Robbie's actually doing some stuff, and then it transitions into the stuntable, but it's actually in the same shot. So you yeah, see the like a bit of a transitions are quite way- clever. Yeah. I, I thought that they did well with choreographing the way that the camera moves to aid the fact that, well, we need it to go to our feet and so we can swish up and then change it. Yeah. Uh, so all of that works. I really like the fact that we're on the ice with her really close, but because yeah. we're so close to her when she's, when she's spinning and we see this, this like Lara yeah. Croft Tomb Raider PS1 feeling yeah. like weird parallax effect. Um, I don't know. It's just, you got to get that right. And uh was, so when she's spinning a- really quickly and it was in dark light and stuff, it's it's okay. And most visual yeah. effects look good when they're in like very direct light. That's like why the reason Jurassic Park still looks good. Like it only looks good because it's in dark light and it's rainy and they managed to get mm-hmm. a wet T Rex look. But if, if they shot yeah. Jurassic Park in ninety four and it was during the day, it would have looked crap. It would've looked really bad. Did they did they? How was the? Where was the camera in this? Was it a guy on skates? Was it like? Was like what was happening there? I think there was. There was a, a bunch um, of elements. A of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like so some of it's a- like green screen backgrounds, and then she's sort of spinning around. Some of it's actually on set. But the the thing that what is impressive is the fact that they um, composited in the entire crowd. Like oh, that yeah. was an empty stadium, and I didn't. Yeah. I wouldn't have. <laughs> I'm picking out her face because that's the most obvious thing because that's what we're, we're registered to, to look at. Um, 
but I didn't notice any of the background elements. It's, maybe it's because the background elements are out of focus and they're in dark, so it just makes sense. I saw that on the on the video, and I, I, it was fascinating. So they started with this girl, I don't know who she was, woman, with this little ball on her head, right, doing her thing, doing her spins. And there was like the the stadium was empty. There was no lights, and they you could see them slowly adding the the crowd, the lights, the cheering, the color, the face, the soundtrack, and that that was just that was really cool to see um, how yeah. like what it started with and how it ended. It's like a completely different shot, and uh, like, it's it's unbelievable how they can do that. And like any time I watch a film, I'm like, how did you get that many extras? I'm like, no, you probably didn't, did you? You just CG'd yeah. them in. And then you just re- you just recorded about 50 extras and duplicated them around the stadium um, and just changed the signs of but what they're holding up. That's, that's got to be like almost not impossible, but that's got to be really difficult to do with the moving camera and all of that with a lot going on, right? Or is it not as yeah, hard well, as it? Well, no, no, it, it, it definitely is. Um I think with this film that they did have like multiple cameras set up around the rink as well, so they could put all that like composite all that together and get all the tracking information from from where she was. Um, but yeah, the, uh, what's what's good about it, the, they did a lot of stuff actually on a nice rink, which is which is great because you know they could have all it could have all just been kind of green screen. Um, but yeah, yeah imagine if it was all off the ice, it would have been really weird. Like the sliding yeah. around and everything, imagine the, the animated are sliding. And, <laughs> what do yeah, mean? yeah, I mean, and, and if you um, if you watch, there's a video as well online where you can see um, the the real performance from Tonya Harden and obviously uh, what's in I Tonya and the the dance routines are exactly the same, the, you know, the, to the same music and to this, you know, to, um, the same choreographs as well. That um, that really that moment where. I can't remember which performance it was where she's just so elated with what she just did and this kind of smile on her face and she throws her hands up, right? It's like on the poster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I think that was some brilliant acting. You just really felt yeah. happy. You really felt happy for her in that moment. Um, yeah, she, she she knew. She obviously she she did the the stunt, which which I, I do like about you know how they describe that to the audience as well. Because when you say triple axel, I don't know what that is. That could be something on a car, um, you know. Is but when the way like they're building up to it, and she's saying you know no one in the world's done it, and then I'm going to attempt it, and then you have that conflict of like, um, you know, our trainers like you know, attempt it, attempt it. You can do it. You can do it here in front of an audience. We know you can do it. And then she does. And it's just like the joy. And that's the highest high that she, she ever has in this film, I think. And this happens quite yeah. early on. Yeah. Which is... And I think up. actually um, because of that, because of that moment and because it did happen so early on, I think as an audience member, you, it's, you know it's going to go downhill from there. Yeah, which is normally you, you know, build to that scene where she finally yeah. does it, right? In the Olympics, she finally does it in front of everyone and it's never been done before. And that's normally the end of the film, right? Well, that's like yeah. what we build towards in these sorts She's of sports. She's on the top of the sports, podium, yeah. Sports dramas where this is, um, they give you that in the first third and then it's the the steady decline. Yeah. That's what makes I mean, it in intriguing, any other isn't spo- it? Like, yeah, in any other sports you, you don't film. know what's going on. Like, you know, yeah. at the start of, Avengers Endgame and the kill Thanos and you're like well what the hell are they going to do for the rest of the three hours of this movie <laughs> uh, uh, like <laughs> exactly, I've just yeah. I've just started eating me sweets like <laughs> I've got a full full bag got, like, left no like no idea what's going on yeah. you're like oh oh I literally have no idea what's going to happen in this film <laughs> I mean with, with with other sports films you obviously get like in basketball the 
you know, it's the drawing and there's three seconds left on the clock and they need a pass to this guy and, you know, he has to make the shot. Um, in a lot of basketball films, you know, they don't make the shot, they lose, and it, it wasn't about winning. But they learned about the value journey. of friendship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, in any, you know, I've seen a lot of Amer- American football, like, um, like t- teams. Obviously, these are all team sports, and this this one's very individual, um, which I, I quite like because you can invest just in this one character, and then you can add the family elements around them. Um, but with the team sports, it's always like down to the final buzzer. So, like we're saying with this one, it's 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 about the opinions of points, you know. And you're just like, well, we we want them to give her the points because she is the best. But you know, she's kind of obviously just getting in our way. So it was, I don't know. It was when you say it's a sports film, I'm like, yeah, it actually is. But you, I don't think it's 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 definitely not catered to like sports fans. Yeah, um, my mum watched, it's my not mom watched about this the and glory she used to be big skater. Hmm. Like, like you say, if it was a, a sports film, she would have succeeded at the end and finally did yeah. triple axel, if, or not yeah, did it. If, but it, that, it wasn't about that. It was about the fact yeah. that you raised loads of money for this and that. You had a charity, and <laughs> yeah, like if it was a fictional, like not fiction, like if because obviously this is based on an, on a true story, and I think this true story is so far fetched you couldn't really write it. Um, because if you did write this, it would be she succeeds at the end. You know, you yeah. wouldn't get that drama and it would just be a Hollywood ending, which this is definitely not. Um, I mean, we spoke a little bit about editing there in terms of, you know, the, the performances when she's skating and kind of how that's cut together. But what did you think of the pace of this? Because we do get, a like we've said, a lot of different styles. We get the interviews, then we get some some stuff that did happen in real life and then some stuff where it's just like it's different opinions and how and we it's, actually get fourth wall breaking from I multiple like, characters I like it. yeah there's lots going on it's quite choppy the film the only time it slows down which is nice is when she's on the ice right um, and I think it does give you that time to appreciate the skill and talent because you know ice skating is not something you see every day unless you're into that um, but it did make Thank the you. sport look pretty cool um but no, I thought it was quite good paced. Well paced, sorry. Particularly as there's two stories going on. Like yeah, like you said, tw- halfway through the film, it completely changes. So that that probably helps retain your attention. It's the editing, sound design and soundtrack that work well in tandem with each other. So whenever we get these key act breaks, we usually have a, a song that came out the year that, it, that it's portraying on the timeline, which is really nice. Um, like you say, like you get you get past the bits that are quite comical. So we get the shot of her beating uh, Nancy Kerrigan with a with a baseball bat, and then we get other things where she's like, "Oh, it wasn't my fault. Uh, it was what was it the 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 readjusted the blades on my on my skates." And then we get yeah. a quick cut montage of her uh, boozing and eating loads of pizza and uh, like gaining weight and everything and it's like oh well it's clearly not your fault and the, the sound design in there works really well it just all it all adds to that style doesn't it that if we didn't have it it would have been really boring have you seen the film called what is it it's a world war ii film it's a churchville churchill film the, the darkest hour. hour the, the darkest, darkest hour, hour. it came out the show did you, did you like year. that film i haven't seen it darkest hour Okay, never um, mind. I did. I did. Um, I've seen it. I've seen it at the cinema. It must have been at the similar time of this because it was um, came out the same year. 
It did. Yeah. There was another, there was, oh, have you, have you seen The Crown before? The TV, the Netflix series? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. I've been meaning to. No. Nope. The, the, cra- the Crown has some style to it. Like, it's really mm-hmm. stylistic. Not, like, over the top, but The Darkest Hour doesn't seem to have any style points. And that was, yep. like, one of the main reasons why I didn't like it, because because of the style points, the pace was always drawn in along. The same. Yeah. The, uh, obviously, the best thing about that film is, uh, what's he called again? <laughs> Ga- Gary Oldman. I was going to say Gary Newman, but he's a he's a he's a musician, isn't he? <laughs> Gary <laughs> Oldman. A, yeah. yeah he's a but musician. I I was so disappointed in that in that movie. I I don't think we should do it for the pod. I liked uh, what helped with the pace as well is the introduction of the comedic relief, right? The um, the husband's mate. I thought he was really really funny. He was infuriating. But um, I thought he the brought CIA a lot to the scenes. The mastermind guy. Yeah. yeah. Sean? Is it Sean? So yeah, I, I think the, the pace was good. I think it, it kind of ticked along, introduced a lot of new things in each scene. Um, and I suppose because of all the different storylines going on, it just kept you kind of guessing and wondering what, what is actually the truth in this. Yeah. I think I think you could, like I said, it you make films like this in in any other way it's just it's not entertaining um so it's definitely a cool style to follow like like it says that's uh the financial one um big short um what do you think about the sound design i've spoke a little bit about it but um yeah it works I'll really listen well. now. i think it was well i like the the sound of the skates on the ice i quite like that i was quite satisfied do, do you reckon they actually recorded the sounds of skates on the ice on the ice or do you reckon it's some like weird that's put a real I imagine so why wouldn't they through, the, if that uh, sound exists in the world why wouldn't you use it oh mate it's the world of Foley the, the poor <laughs> the, they use frying pans and hot oil to 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 get rain things like that because it's more controlled I reckon they probably got some paper and tore it really slowly and that would have <laughs> oh, give the same could, the same feeling I reckon you would. I, I, you know, I bet you ten quid if you can find this out that they didn't use skates on ice. <laughs> they probably just used like knives on like a little block of concrete or something. I bet you that they did something. What you would never guess, and it's like, how did you yeah. manage to do that? But yeah, it definitely uh, works. It's not super over the top. Um. It, you know, like you've got a film like, uh, say, like Birds of Prey. Or I haven't seen Birds of Prey, but say, like Suicide Squad. Uh, obviously, that it has style. The whole film is style, and the sound design is really good. But it's because it's all style and no substance, and I think this balances out really well with the editing in terms of pace and performance, and with like having some style points and r- getting through the narrative in a fun, entertaining way. Cool. Uh, soundtrack? That was a really I, I cool like soundtrack. soundtrack. I like, it's one of these films which is becoming increasingly popular where the soundtrack is more embedded into the film rather than just in the background. They really wanted you to notice the soundtrack. But they've got some cool bands. Uh, Bad Company, yeah. Dire Straits, Supertramp, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, Heart. you can definitely have a look. 
a lot more fun with this film in terms of the soundtrack because it's set in a you know a particular time and era, you know the nineties. So you you've got stuff they would listen to, and then she's obviously got stuff that she performs to, um, which is, is is established in the film that's different from what all of the other like performers like listen to. Uh, the last film that we actually recorded was Fury, and um, I listened back to that one just as I was editing it. It was just like, yeah, it had some soundtrack. That's it, and then moved on. So. It's, yeah, you know, it was the, like a middle-of-the-road score. One yeah. thing... That, this, this is definitely an album you could buy. Like, the soundtrack of I, Tonya, you would happily put this on. Yeah, yeah. One thing I didn't like was sometimes the soundtrack was a bit on the nose. So, like, when they were introducing, like, the ma, the mother, they played, like, Barracuda by heart. Because she's <laughs> a Barracuda, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that though at least everyone has like you know you're getting introduced to the character the person oh, with music and everything I like that bit where she was arguing with her mom and she was like you're gonna stay here and you're not gonna go away and then she was like no mom I'm wild I was born to be wild and then born to be wild comes on and it's like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes and then there's a bit where she's she's talking to uh, Nancy Kerrigan and she's like, I'm going to beat you. And it's like, no, no, you're going downtown. And then I, Tonya's like, yeah, I'm going to rock you like a hurricane and then rock you like a hurricane comes on. <laughs> I thought you were going to say going downtown, which is actually a song. Yeah, she, yeah going downtown. <laughs> downtown. I don't think that would have fit at that moment. <laughs> Maybe how many are ever after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's just a bit on the nose, but other, yeah, it's, it's a it's a wicked soundtrack though. Yeah, it all fits in. It's fun, and it helps. I think it helps the pace uh, with with the film as well. Um, so, how would you do it differently if you were going to make this film? Um, how would you do it differently in twenty twenty? Um, for me, I don't think there's anything would I would be, particularly do differently. Would, the only thing is just the visual effects need need some extra work. Yeah, well, I think with the whole, like I said, from the last year and a half and we've got had deep fakes and how good they've gotten, especially in the last six months, you know, if yeah. you if you look at like when some when he did the first one to what it is now, it's crazy how good you can get them. Um, you know, if they had that technology then, all the processing power and everything, it's only a couple of years ago, it's not not long ago, it's only three yeah. three years ago, isn't it? Um, it's, it's come so up that pretty would be quickly. The, yeah, that would be the only only thing that I think I would change in terms of like pace, structure, performances. It's like, yeah, this is an entertaining film. Oh. Um, it's solid, isn't has it? it? There's, there's nothing, yeah. there's no real like loose threads in this film. There's no like glaring plot holes. Every, every scene seems to have a payoff. You've got multi-layered, complex, um, not typical characters. Uh, like like the scene like with a husband you would think you, you know this husband who's be- beating his wife up uh, first love would would be just like typical brutish guy but like he's not he like there's a scene where he turns up with a gun and he's about to shoot her and then he, and then he starts mm. putting the gun to himself and he, he's like looking for attention and he's like you, well, you he wouldn't does shoot her doesn't the, he he does, yeah, yeah, he does. He does, yeah, like accident. But then her reaction's just like, you brought a loaded gun and she's angry at him, but she's not like, get away scared of him. She's it not really scared of him when she's just... normal. Sh- 
what, I guess, what that yeah. world is to them. I guess it did show that scene how well they know each other. Uh, like she wasn't fearful of her life because she knew like deep down he wouldn't actually do it. He's just... Yeah. Uh, but they what didn't did you actually... think of the line when she just she says to him, "I don't know. I think you're just gonna have to kill yourself." <laughs> <laughs> like that's so brutal. Um, but in terms of their relationship, it's just like, "I of course you've gone there." Yeah. <laughs> like actually, I'd noticed like in it's... that scene. You know how she chucks her duffel bag out and climbs out the window. They clearly got rid of the uh, the ropey bit at the bottom of the blind because otherwise she wouldn't be able to climb out so easy. Yeah, I thought yeah. of that. I thought of that, and I wanted to introduce another a new segment of the podcast, but I'm not sure. I haven't fully formed the idea yet, and <laughs> I want to do like instead of doing maybe like f- uh, film facts every week, like maybe we do like film cliches because that's a or cliche. Film. Do you know when like someone, yeah. you know when someone climbs out a window and then the person goes in and like the curtains fluttering in the wind because you know that (laughs) (laughs) damn I just missed him (laughs) so we're going to have film cliches but then we're going to have things like well in real life you would have a bottom thing to those blinds (laughs) yeah yeah. it's like film logic it's like we need to get the realistic logic out the way to give her something something to do otherwise in real life she would have got tangled up and (laughs) She yeah. wouldn't have made it out. Like that, yeah. that, there's, um, we, a- we actually have a list of things that we talk about, if people are wondering. We don't just like randomly just talk about films, so we'll um, let's add those to the list for the future films. <laughs> yeah, I like, so the two I caught for this one was, yeah, the, the curtains flutter in the wind. Well, there was a few. And uh, Margot Robbie playing a 15-year-old self. That's a cliche. Yeah. And yeah. They, they kind of... The, and this just happens in so many films now in the credits where they show you the actual people yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like, it's like Tonya is, not, is now this year old she's married and has two kids <laughs> <laughs> I love it in films where it's just total fiction as well didn't they do that in like American Pie or something it's like Stifler still hasn't got a girlfriend oh, yeah uh... yeah Text, text, like layoffs right at the end of the film. That's definitely a cliche. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> um, what about? We haven't actually spoke about him, but what about you know the reporter guy that we do see throughout? He's actually Mr. Robot. He's in that um, TV show Hulk Homecoming that I was uh, talking about earlier. He's just in the office and he's like really talking about. Looking um, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't like, get why he's. No, I mean, I think it's somewhat to help the plot, but also to build up what the media was like. Yeah, I think, yeah, he's, meant, I think he's meant to be. He's meant to be yeah, yeah. the uh, media representation, isn't he? Uh, yeah. It does seem like the, he was cut from a lot of it, doesn't it? Yeah, because we do go back to him, but you're like when you do you forgot go back about him, him. You're like I haven't. Yeah, I kind of forgot about him, but I, I, I kind of like. But then he's like when he's talking about the tricks he had to play on Tonya Harden. It's like okay, so the media it, it is just the media representation of that time because there was obviously many many outlets uh, yeah. that were reporting on this, so it was just kind of him. And he looks a little bit sleazy that he'll do anything yeah. to kind of uh, bend the truth to get a story. So, do you reckon it? For me, he felt like he he stuck out, and that might be because we didn't see like like diegetic like him in the film. We only saw just interviews yeah, with them, yeah. whereas all the other uh, interviewees uh, were might in the also film be, as well. He might, might have stuck out as well because of his tan. 
matches. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, well, if the, you if you think about sports in real life, we you you generally you generally have like a represent who always looks after that team or sport. It's like um, in in England, uh, there's 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 a few like Gary Lineker for us is like the sports commentator that everyone knows for match of the day. So it's just like you you he it but sometimes he's actually talking the to the crisps advert. I the guy that walks Christmas advert. Does he do football as well? Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he, he's one he of the high school scores. He's the same name as the. He there's another Gary Lineker, wasn't there? That was actually like played for England in that. Yeah, he did. He scored kind of few goals. He did. Yeah. Um, did you he's know got that a Gary good, Lineker he's got never a good got a single well, booking yeah. in his whole career? Huh? Never got a yellow card. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Um, some sports Is facts that the same coming out of Do you remember when they changed Walkers? Uh, Walkers in America is layers, but it's the same thing. Uh, salt and vinegar, and they turned it to salt and vinegar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they were doing a, a World Cup campaign, and Michael Owen did one called Cheese and Owen instead of Cheese and Onion. Oh, really? <laughs> nice. I do like a good pun, especially cr- crisps and puns are like my two favourite things, so it's like. Uh, <laughs> crisps. Puns. <laughs> that's it's all you really need, isn't it? So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think if he was with Tonya Harden, <laughs> like during like, <laughs> I do. I like Christian puns. Oh, um, what's, what's your two favourite things? Oh, crisps, <laughs> puns, Chris. <laughs> Oh, I've lost it. As always, when we get to like nearly two hours on this podcast, um, things oh, fall man. apart. <laughs> yeah, I think Ooh. I'm going to try and bring back. Right, I think if he if it was like press conferences where they were like interviewing <laughs> the players afterwards, like her afterwards, he would always be there like winding her up. And that would have yeah. made more sense. But he was kind of just there. You know what he was? <laughs> he was the Sebastian Stan of this film he was of, oh, that's what we need we need a segment <laughs> called who was the Sebastian Stan of this yes, Sebastian Stan right this we'll start writing these how down how would you do it we're just doing a little Has bit brainstorming aged, who on was the, the Sebastian Stan <laughs> yeah and the, the the cliches Sebastian Stan yeah sorry everyone we're just we're just brainstorming some podcast ideas here uh, there we go so he was the Sebastian Stan of this podcast. So um, the next question we always ask is, is it in the Matrix? Which is starting to get more It's starting to get really hard, isn't it? I feel yeah. like we, uh, I think we should retire it, you know. Unless unless it's really, nah, let's we keep it. Because at one time there'll be one where it's proper in the Matrix and we'll be like, whoa, no way. <laughs> I mean, this could be one of those uh, training simulations <laughs> that Neo does. <laughs> That uh, Morpheus uh, <laughs> <and> simulations, <laughs> but it, it does suit it. Like, okay, Neil, you're going to learn ice skating now because you never know when it might be fighting. Uh, what's he called? Um, Agent Smith on a uh, on ice. Yeah, so he's going to be like, so ice, you're yeah. saying when when I get out of this, I'm going to be able to triple axel. No, Neil, <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> You, you won't need to. to. Hey, maybe, you know, right at the start of the Matrix, when, when Trinity's, she runs and jumps and does a spin in the air right at the yep. start and goes through the window, she had to have the ice skating, uh, she had to learn the Twizzler 
to get through the window right at the start. Twizzler. Shat- shatter on the, the death spiral. There you go. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's what the know, whole kick, I kick thing is. If Right, if you slow motion, if you go through frame by frame when Neo's learning all of these new like training simulation, I bet one of them says ice skating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If someone wants to fact check that, fact check that for us. Um, he I definitely learned uh, the death spiral. Learn. The death spiral was in The Matrix Reloaded when he, he pulls a bus stop uh, sign off oh, and spins yeah, around was, and yeah. kicks all the Agent Smiths. That's a death spiral. Yeah. So yes, this is... No, yeah. the, Ice skating is in the Matrix. Maybe not I, Tonya, but ice skating is definitely in the Matrix. And I'm sure Tonya Harding was one of the bad guys when he had to, like, <laughs> fight. Yeah, we did you it. you got the lady yep, in the red dress it. and you've got the ice skater in the blue leotard. Yeah, we definitely did it. Um, <laughs> so, have you got any more fun facts, fan theories, trivia? I've already given mine. Mine was um, about a bird. The only fact I've got is the the restaurant where they went to conspire you know where they, they met where the, the guy was trying to had a wire and he was trying to get him to oh uh, yeah yeah uh-huh. it's called the golden butter and uh that used to be our regular chinese in atlanta no way actually yeah when they said the golden butter and then they went there the inside the decor i'm like yeah i've been there um and then i did some Google, a did, did some googling and um yeah it's filmed in atlanta so i was right Oh, nice. nice. That's. Did you uh, ever sit in that booth? Uh, I don't, I don't remember, but I've definitely eaten there a few times. It's good. Yeah, beautiful. With Chinese in America, you just get so much. You you'd get you would order one uh, meal and you'd have food for like three days. Nice. Uh, Sounds good. Particularly there, big portions. What was your What was your favorite dish? Like uh takeaways there not takeaways like doggy bags and Do- yeah so after that i would get a big doggy bag from the golden butter yeah it's like anytime you order a meal it's always more than a meal yeah yeah but yeah right. um, so that's my that, is it supposed I- to be doggy bags or did and then that's why like there's so many obese people in america because they all just started eating it all instead of <laughs> yeah you're like guys, this was this was supposed to be two meals here, and you've just ate it in one. <laughs> I don't know. They, it's just a thing in the states where Chinese, in particular, you get you get more than you actually need. Mm. There's uh, a bunch of facts in there, K Dog. I'm going to give you fact of the week. <laughs> as to, as you, the you, film look fact of the week. Of the week. <laughs> I think we might need to add that into right. So, how many? How many ice skates would you give this out of ten? How many? How many triple axles? Cast? Yeah, how many triple axles? How many spins? <laughs> I think I would. How many? Now that we've spoken twizzlers? about it, I really feel like I can appreciate this film. I was middle of the road before this, middle of the rink, and now I feel like I'm. <laughs> I'm. I, you know, when when I said that I wasn't too it too into it, I felt like I was on thin ice. <laughs> <laughs> Crisps, puns. <laughs> oh man! Uh, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, I I give it a, a solid uh, at least a solid seven and a half axle, maybe an eight axle. Oh nice. yeah, and letterbox D. I think I give this a four twizzle out of uh, out of five. So eight eight twizzlers out of ten. 
Eight twizzlers out of ten. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm How gonna many go camel eight. toes? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna camel, <laughs> camel toe car. <laughs> camel spins. I'm gonna give it. Um, I'll give it eight, eight. Eight death spirals. Eight death spirals. Eight neos kicking Agent Smith. Yeah, I think I think it's a good solid film. I think every every like performances delivery. I think it's super entertaining. Um, and it's about a sport that you know I've never. I only watch ice skating when it's on the Olympics because, well, you just stick it on, don't you? And when the right. Olympics is on, doesn't matter what it's sport on the background, it is, isn't it? Yeah, you like you you there's when they do the dancing one and they've got like these twirly right. stick things with ribbons on the end. Yeah, stick that on. You I'll just don't that. turn the telly off for like the four weeks that it's on. It's great. Yeah, exactly. It's a shame we um, didn't we didn't get to uh, have it this year, but we got to watch this. Maybe we should yeah. maybe we should watch some sports films that are in the Olympics. Maybe we should do some sort of a uh, maybe a I mean, a documentary on Mo Farah. <laughs> 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 Something. I mean, I wouldn't uh, mind doing football film. Should we watch Bender like Beckham? <laughs> uh, we could watch Goal. Um, oh, I can't that watch that. Go- well, Goal Two. No, no, Goal One was uh, when he was in South America, and Goal Two was when he's in Newcastle. Or was it Goal uh, Three? One of the two. But let's not watch that. If to we be watch honest, there's any good you'll, football films. You'll set a light. <laughs> No, no, I can't do that. Football's um, a hard thing to make cinematic, I think. It's not as exciting as like you know basketball. What we watch? The- Shaolin soccer. And that's true, yeah. That's Stephen Chow film, that's good. Have you have you seen Shaolin Soccer? No. No, I've 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 seen the poster where he's doing like a karate like a backflip. Yeah. I've not seen it. Have you seen the one he did after called Kung Fu Hustle? I think I've possibly oh. seen that one. Kung Fu, Kung Fu Hustle is like definite, oh, I don't know, it's definitely something, it's going to be a divisive film when we watch it. It's one of those films that I watched when I was really little and I just loved it every single time, but it's totally over the top. It's like live action anime uh, mixed with like mob bosses and Kung Fu and like social class. Uh, it's pretty complex for like a over the top daft film it's good right I've just I've just typed in uh, sports films into Google and I, is the first one that comes up that might just be based on the searches but the second sports film that came up is Back to the Future 2 I what? mean there's there's like gambling in that one on sports, sports and that's film. how he becomes sports rich almanac. Uh, the next one are they not thinking of Teen Wolf possibly yeah um, actually, I'm going to go through the top, the top of these. So we've got I, Tonya, Back to the Future 2, Rush, which is Chris Hemsworth, like a racing film. Then you've got Battle of the Sexes, which is a tennis film with Emma Stone and uh, Steve Carell. Real Steel, which is oh, Hugh mate, Jackman with a robot. Steel. That is my guilty the next pleasure. One, that is such a good... F- have you seen Real I've Steel? No, I've not, I've not seen it. Is, Steel, no. It is one of the funnest romps I've ever seen. Like, it's totally ridiculous, uh, and if we did it for the pod, we would rip it apart, but that is... Anyway, keep going. Real steel. Yeah. It's just rock well, sock and robots. It's so good. But fighting, but boxing, which sounds really fun. Um, The next one's Predator. Predator. I don't know. I, don't, I suppose this, he's... Because it's hunting sport, man. hunting humans, I don't know. Yeah. Then you've the got old, Eddie the, the Eagle. The ultimate hunt. Yeah. Oh, Eddie the Eagle's Eddie good. Eagle. Yeah. But then you've got actually the greatest football film of all time. There isn't many of them, but this is the best one. Mean Machine. 
which if you haven't oh, seen Mean Machines, Machine. Vinnie Jones, it's, it's for, I watched it a couple of weeks ago and you know what? It's such a good film. It's so funny. It's Jason Statham plays like, yeah, uh, it's like every, there's, there's so many different characters in there that you see who just like early careers and um, it's a good like football film. I don't think anyone in America's probably seen Mean Machine, but that's the best football they made film. A, they did a so remake a- called The Longest Yard which was a, a great American football version of it. And it, and it, they, they call them Mean Machine on it. It's an Adam Sandler film. Uh, and it's, oh, it's this, got, um, so it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. It's got like, um, oh, it's what's got, he it's called? Terry Crews in. Bruce Willis. Oh, right. Don't think, don't Maybe that's Bruce wrong. Willis in. <laughs> Somewhat, some films um, got Bruce Willis in, I know that. I know he is yeah, an actor. There's, there's definitely a couple of films that have Bruce Willis in, yeah. Definitely. But not this definitely. one. Uh, <laughs> right um, you never know we might watch a Bruce Willis film one day if we can uh, track one down um, I'm sure there's, there's definitely one out there but if not, the, not the longest yard though but <laughs> no no <laughs> we haven't done a Brucey film have we a Brucey so. film um, is that what we're doing yeah. did we not do the sixth sense it's Bruce no Bruce oh, no, Bruce Forsyth man <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Brucey film. <laughs> is that Same what, name, man. I'm, I'm happy do? to start calling him Brucey from now on. Like that's class. I bet someone. I bet someone calls him Brucey. Uh, did we do the Sixth Sense? We did, didn't we? I think so. Oh man. Yeah, we yeah, did. It was uh, episode episode forty eight. Um, so we'd have done a Brucey film. So the Brucey special. <laughs> Yeah, um, right. If you want to reach us, if you're still listening, um, you can email us at thefilmlog at gmail.com. I was thinking about this actually, we should probably do this at the beginning because okay. more people are probably still tuning in. But anyway, I'll do it now. You can find us at Twitter, on Instagram at thefilmlog. We also have a YouTube channel which is called, guess what, The Film Look, where we drop filmmaking knowledge bombs based on the short films we make. Just find us, everything at The Film Look, um, send us in <laughs> some questions, reviews, whatever you need to do. And uh, yeah, until next time, um, goodbye. Bye. See ya.